This morning, the great apostle, like an expert jeweler, displays love as if it were a brilliant diamond juxtaposed to the evil that love is not to hold before us its many gleaming facets. He deliberately uses the highest word for love in the Greek vocabulary and immediately takes it far beyond any definition of love known to the Greeks or to anyone else. Paul uses the Greek word agape, that great New Testament word for love that has a meaning all its own. It is used of the love of God the Father for God the Son. John chapter 17 and verse 26 reads, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. It's the love spoken of in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it is spoken of, of the love that Jesus had for his own. In the Gospel of John, again, at chapter 14 and verse 21, he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. And because this kind of love does not arise from our feelings, listen to me, because this kind of love does not arise from our feelings, it is commanded by God because it does not always coincide with our natural inclinations. Nor is it concerned only with those for whom we have some natural affinity. You are not just supposed to love people who love you. Since love is commanded, it cannot be based on emotion. Are y'all listening to me? Since love is commanded, it cannot be based on emotion. On the contrary, it is based on the will. John chapter 13 and verse number 37 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, and have, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, not because you go to church on Sunday. Not because you have a large print Bible. 
not because you wear a cross around your ankle or your neck, not because you have a fish emblem on your bumper, not because you answer your phone, praise the Lord, not because you're too blessed to be stressed, but men will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. Look with me, brothers and sisters, at love's concerns. The first of love's concerns is to be Christ-like in suffering. Love suffers long. Or love is long-suffering. The literal meaning of the word is long-tempered. When you love, you are not short-tempered. Uh, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Long-suffering. Long-suffering, however, is more, brothers and sisters, than patience. Long-suffering is self-restraint when faced with provocation. In other words, love does not retaliate. Love is never in a hurry to punish its enemy. It's long suffering. Abraham Lincoln, when he was president of the United States, the 16th president of the United States, had a mortal enemy named Edward or Edwin Stanton. Edwin Stanton could not stand Abraham Lincoln. Stanton said that, that Lincoln looked like a gorilla. He said, you don't have to go to Africa to look at a gorilla. You can just look in the face of Abraham Lincoln. He said, Abraham Lincoln is the most two-faced man I've ever met. And Lincoln, who was always quick-witted, says, uh, if you really think I had two faces, I would keep this one. Uh -huh. Lincoln was hated by Edwin Stanton. But Lincoln made Stanton his secretary of war. And when asked why he made Stanton his secretary of war, Lincoln said, because he's the best man for the job. He never retaliated. Lincoln's love, Lincoln's kindness won Stanton over so that when Lincoln was assassinated, Edwin Stanton stood over his coffin with tears in his eyes and said, the greatest ruler of men is this man who lies in this casket. Love, when it is real, is long-suffering. David displayed this kind of love, this kind of patience in his relationship with King Saul. On no less than 24 separate occasions, Saul tried to murder David. But David knew that he was God's anointed. David knew that God had anointed him king, so he was patient enough to wait 
for God to give him the throne. And those of us who read the Bible will remember on several occasions, David had an opportunity to take Saul's life. But David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed, nor do God's prophet any harm. David would not retaliate and in due course, God handed him the throne. Let your enemies lie on you. Let your enemy try to destroy you. The Bible says no weapon. I wish I had one or two more witnesses. Formed against you shall be able to prosper because God will stand between you and the weapon thrown at you. The second of love's concerns it's not just being long-suffering, but it is Christ-like, brothers and sisters, to be kind. Love is patient, and then love is kind. Where patience and long-suffering passively wait, kindness is active goodness that goes forth on behalf of another. Long-suffering is waiting for God to move. But kindness is moving in goodness and peace and mercy towards somebody who has done you evil. The greatest example of this other than Jesus is what David did with Mephibosheth. I need one or two more Bible readers here. On 24 occasions, Saul tried to kill David. But David would not do Saul any harm. Saul is now dead. And David's friend, who was Saul's son, their hearts were knit together like brothers. Jonathan is now dead. And Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth who is in the home of a man named Ziba. Saul has been long dead and David is now seated on the throne of Israel enjoying God's blessings when he remembers how good Jonathan had been to him. I wish I had somebody who read the Bible. When Saul tried to kill him, Saul's own son Jonathan warned David of his father's plans and, and Jonathan saved David's life on several occasions. And David became king of Israel. Seated on the throne, he started thinking about how good God had been to him and how God had used Jonathan to save his life. And David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness because of Jonathan? And brothers and sisters, you are in this church this morning enjoying God's blessings, not so much because of what you've done, but somebody in your past was good and God is blessing you on your grandmother's behalf. God is blessing you because you had a praying aunt or a praying Sunday school teacher. Somebody in your past was a blessing to somebody else and God is blessing you because he's answering prayers of somebody who's sleeping in their grave. 
And somebody remember that Jonathan had a boy named Mephibosheth. David said, bring him here. And he brought Mephibosheth to David. And David said, he's going to eat with my sons at the table. But they said, no king, he can't come because he's crippled in both his feet. He's deformed. He's, he's crippled. He's limping. He can't sit with Solomon. He can't sit with Ammon and, and Tamar. He cannot sit at the king's table. The, the king said, bring him here. I don't care what his handicap is. I don't care what his drawback is. I don't care what his lameness looks like. Sit him down at my table. And I'm so glad that God let me sit at his table. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what he's done. I don't care where he's been. Bring him to my father's house. And to all the crippled folk in here like me, to all the broken people in here like me, to all the folk in here like me who got some decisions you wish you had made, some roads you wish you had never traveled, but God lets you come in his presence, you ought to help me tell God thank you. Love is, is patient. Love is kind. It takes nothing away from you to be kind to people. It, do, it doesn't take anything away from me to compliment somebody else's preaching. I don't have to be the one singing to clap for the song. I don't have to be the one praying to say amen for the prayer. It takes nothing away from me to compliment John Adolph. I enjoy hearing him preach. And hearing him preach takes nothing away from my preaching. I enjoy Marcus Cosby's preaching. I enjoy Ralph West's preaching. We are not in competition with one another because competition leads to envy. Which leads me to the second thing I want to talk about. When you really love, you're content. Love's contentment. In the first place, love, listen to me, is never envious. The translation of the word in Paul's writing embraces both envy and jealousy. Whenever jealousy, whenever a person is jealous, they desire to have the same thing you have for themselves. They want to style their hair like you style your hair. If you color your hair, they're going to color their hair. If you drive a nice car, they want to drive the same kind of car you drive. They want to talk like you. They want to walk like you. They want to act like you. That's, that's benign. That's, that's no harm in that. That's a sincere form of flattering you. They, they really want to be you. I have no problem. Yesterday at the funeral, the preacher told me at the funeral yesterday, he said, Reverend, I might as well tell you right now, the sermon you preached today, 
I'm going to preach that as soon as I can. And I said to him, Reverend, I have no problem with that at all. You know how many sermons of other preachers I've preached as soon as I can? Because if you're going to preach like somebody, you might as well preach like somebody who can preach. I mean, it don't make sense to try to preach like nobody who can't preach. Come on, talk back to me if you can. I mean, you, you ain't trying to be ugly. You're trying to be as pretty as the person you're trying to be like. So love, when it is real, jealousy wants what the other person has, but envy does not want you to have it. Now, they know they can't do nothing with it. They just don't want you to have it. Um, listen to me, beloved. Since love is an act of the will, the best way to deal with envy, listen to me, the best way to deal with envy is to crucify it. And the way you crucify envy is by actively praying for and supporting the one whose gifts you covet. Because it is impossible to be envious of somebody you're praying for. I wish I had time to stay right there. Love does not vaunt itself up. The word vaunt it not itself means love is never egotistical. Love is never narcissistic. Love does not draw attention to itself or to what it is doing because it wants to be seen. If you give something away and then tell somebody you give something away, that's not love. Love is not anxious to impress other people. You do your alms, you do your good in secret. You, 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 you do nice things for people privately. You don't, you don't pay my bills and then go tell 30 people you paid my bills. I wish I had somebody to help me preach it. You don't, you don't go out of your way to help me so you can put it on Facebook. Because you have just committed a dead deed. But if you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. You know why so many people are blessed around here? It's because they're going out of their way helping people privately and God is blessing them openly. Don't get mad with me because I'm being blessed openly. Do something nice privately. Moreover, love is not puffed up. One who is puffed up is the person who has an exaggerated sense of his or her own importance. Psychologically, 
They suffer from what is known as Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger, these two men, Dunning and Kruger, came up with this idea that's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect goes like this. People of low ability drastically overestimate their own abilities in large part because they are incapable of understanding what they don't know. Can I run it by you one more time? Dunning-Kruger effect, people of low ability drastically overestimate their own abilities in large part because they are incapable of understanding what they don't know. The person who comes immediately to mind is Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump's statement when he ran for president in 2020, his statement was this exactly, only I can fix it. That's Dunning-Kruger effect. That's overestimating your abilities because you're incapable of understanding what it is that you don't know. And so when you don't understand what you don't know, you lie about what you do know. I mean, you just start talking about stuff you don't even know anything about. The hardest thing in the world for us to do is say, I don't know. Somebody start talking about embalming. You ain't ever been to a funeral home, but you know everything about embalming. Somebody start talking about a naval ship. You ain't never been in a swimming pool, but you know everything about a submarine. Just say, you know, I'm going to shut my mouth right here because I don't know what the devil I'm talking about. I wish I had somebody to help me preach here. Love is never eccentric. It does not behave itself like the fool we just put out of here a minute ago. It does not behave itself unseemly. Love knows how to act in every situation. It's the devil that makes you disrupt the worship service. The Spirit of God will never have you disrupt worship because that's behaving unseemly. In other words, love has good manners. It does not exhibit inappropriate behavior. But it always treats others with compassion, with respect, and with consideration. Love, when it is real, is genuine and not artificial. Because if it's artificial, you can't keep it up. But when it is genuine, you love in all seasons. Then too, love is never seeking its own way. True love is never selfish. It's never self-centered. It does not insist on having its own way. Those of us who read the scripture will remember when, when Abraham and his nephew Lot uh, were taken off to where they had gone and uh, their, their herds started to grow 
uh, disproportionately and their servants were, were growing out of proportion and, and there was no more room in the land for them to dwell. And Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen got into a dispute because there were so many of them and so many herds to take care of. And uh, Abraham, who is the older of he and Lot, comes under his nephew and says, let's not, let's not argue with one another. Let's not fall out over this land because we are brothers. He said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. You take the land that you want and what you don't want, what you leave left over, I will take it. Now, Abraham had every right to take all the land if he wanted to because God had given it to him in the first place. But Abraham, who does not want to seek his own way, says to Lot, you take what you want and what's left over, I will take it. And you know the story. Lot took the highlands of Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham wound up in the lowlands of Mamre. Lot got a hold of land that had been angelically tagged for demolition. Lot got his hands on land that was about to go up in a fire sale. Abraham got the lowlands of Mamre and God said to Abraham, don't worry about Lot. He has the land, but you got the promise. And when you know God has given you the promise, let them think they've gotten the upper hand. Uh, let them think you ain't going to ever make it after, you, after I leave you, you ain't going to be nothing. Boy, please. The God I serve Some of y'all over 40 remember Reverend Ike? Reverend Ike had a saying that goes real good right here. You can't lose with the stuff I use. A better saying comes from the scripture. If God be for us, who can be against us? I don't care who walks out of your life. Make sure God walks into your life. And when God walks into your life, he'll take back what the devil tries to steal from you. Yeah. Furthermore, love is not easily provoked. Love is not roused to a spirit of anger and bitterness. Love refuses to be exasperated, even though it may be justly aroused to righteous indignation. It is not insulted or carries a chip on its shoulder because true love only responds in anger to that which makes God angry. When you're a loving person, you put blinders on and you don't pay attention to people's insults. You, you don't pay attention to people's criticism. You, you don't pay attention to people's lies. Because when you, are, when you are sure of yourself 
and confident in who you are. People will mistake your confidence for arrogance when your confidence is really ability. And when you know how God has blessed you and how God has made you and what gifts God has given you, you don't have to bury your stuff to make somebody feel good about themselves. You don't have to make yourself look small in order to make somebody else look big. If you got that kind of ego problem, you need to get out of my life. I need to unfriend you on Facebook. I need to divorce you if I got to make myself look small in order to make you look big. You got a problem, not me. Small people. We get around some big people and get bigged to death. Um, love thinks no evil. The word translated here means love does not keep account of how many times it's been wronged. Love suffers long. It takes no, no worthless inventory. Sisters need to learn that. Because, brothers, if you can help me tell the truth and go home, women don't get hysterical. They don't, they don't throw a knife at you no more. They, they don't back over you with their car and all that. And not, not because they don't feel like it, they don't want to go to jail, so... They don't do all that no more. They don't, they don't carry a switchblade in their bosom and all that no more. They don't get hysterical when it's time to fight. They get historical. You remember? They bring up all the stuff you did all the stuff you should have done but didn't do talk back to me if you can they remind you of stuff you forgot you try to hold their hand don't be holding my hand get back get on your side and, and then you start thinking what not what 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 did I do And then if you can't think of nothing, they, they, they're just mad because today is Sunday. But love, girls, bears no resentment. Love does not walk around with a butcher knife. Love does not hold grudges. Genuine love does not attribute evil motives to people 
and does not dwell on the evil that people have done to you. It is natural to love them that love us, but it is supernatural to love them that hate us. I'm trying to hurry here. Love rejoices not in iniquity. Love does not rejoice when bad things happen to people who've done us wrong. True love does not gossip. True love does not rejoice in the German word Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude means when something terrible happens to somebody you don't like, you're happy about it. I don't get happy when something happens evil to people who don't like me. Because the Lord says, be careful. The ditch you dig for them. Somebody ought to help me preach it. You're going to fall in it yourself. Finally, love's convictions. Love rejoices in the truth. It rejoices when truth is proclaimed and when truth wins the day. A lie will run around the world while truth is still putting on his shoes. Love bears all things. To bear all things means love patiently endures and overlooks the faults of others. It literally means that when you love somebody, instead of always looking for failures and faults, you know what their faults are, but you cover it. That's what true love means. You, 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 you look at people and, and, you don't, and, you, and you say to yourself, how can you be friends with that person? You know how crazy they are. But you cover it. How can this pretty woman love this ugly man? She covers it. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you a biblical picture of that. You remember in the book of Genesis when Noah got drunk? His son Ham saw him in his drunkenness and laughed at him and went and told his two brothers. When Shem and Japheth heard of their father's drunkenness, they took a blanket, they took a covering and walked backwards and laid the blanket on him backwards not to look at his nakedness. And Noah blessed Shem and Japheth and cursed Ham because Ham laughed when the other two covered him. One Friday on a hill called Calvary Jesus covered my sin. And I'm in this church this morning because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm saved today because Jesus covered me with his own blood. What can wash away my sin?
nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to hear me, brothers and sisters. Stop, stop thinking that you're in here because you are so loving. You're not in here because God needs you. You're not in here because somebody else can't take your place. You're in here because God loves you. And the love of God hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. Because love never fails. Let me run across the field right here. I got one or two more things in my notes, but let me just cut across the field because we're running out of time. Love endures all things. And the, and the closest thing we can come to, to that kind of love before we get to the love of God is the love that a mother has for her child. Fathers love their children, but they don't love their children like mama loved their children. Because when a baby cries, the daddy just thinks the baby's crying. But the mama knows what the cry means. One cry means they're hungry. Another cry means they need to be changed. And nobody could know that but somebody who is sensitive enough to know what that cry means. Somebody ought to help me close here. Sometimes mama and daddy get mad with their child. The child has gone to jail or the child has gone astray and the child is on drugs and the child can't be trusted in the house by themselves because they've made all kinds of foolish childish mistakes and the daddy will say I don't want nothing to do with that boy don't 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 let him come in my yard I don't even want him at my house I don't want to have nothing to do with him anymore I'm through with that boy and the mama said you're right he's done wrong I'm through with him too I don't want to see him no more the longest I know I brought him in this world but I don't want to have nothing to do with him and then that boy will come back when the dad is not home And mama said, listen, I'm going to give you this money, but you better not tell your daddy. Where you live, boy, mama going to come bring you some food because a mother's love is almost the love of God. I said almost the love of God. I said almost the love of God. Let me tell you what the real love of God is like. While we were yet sinners, we were on our way to hell. Christ didn't just give us some food. Christ didn't just tell us we could come to church. Jesus went to the cross and died in my place. The just for the unjust the righteous for the unrighteous now the only folk who can shout right here is folk who've got some stuff in your past that you're shame to talk about you've got some stuff in your closet that if you open the door all your skeletons would fall out right now Jesus knows what your skeletons look like Jesus knows what your sins look like
but he loves you so much that he died for your sins and then he rose for your justification and even since you've been saved you've committed some horrible sins I need somebody here who has sinned since you've been a child of God you have lied since you've been a child of God you've gone astray since you've been a child of God God does not dismiss you once you sin but if you confess your sins he is faithful and just and he will forgive you of all your sins and then cleanse you from all unrighteousness I need somebody who's been cleansed this morning I need somebody that God has washed away your sin God has covered your foolishness God has rescued you from the mess you got yourself in God has looked beyond your faults and has seen all your needs God has made a way out of no way God has smiled on your life and you are blessed this morning beyond what you ever could have imagined when you look back over your life and see where you are right now your soul don't have to wonder how you got over you already know it was nobody but Jesus if you know it and you're not ashamed to testify if he's been good to you and you don't care who you're standing by if he's made a way for you and you don't mind opening your mouth if God has shined on you and you don't mind testifying right now is a good time this morning is a good morning to give God your best hallelujah you might not make it back here next Sunday you might not live to see another day so why you have a chance why don't you lift your hands and tell God thank you for where you brought me from thank you for the doors you've opened thank you for the tears you've dried thank you for the people you took out of my life thank you for the people you put into my life thank you for making a way for me thank you for saving me thank you for raising me thank you for keeping me living he loved dying he saved buried he carried my sins far away but rising he justified me freed me forever one day he's coming back what a glorious day but in the meantime before he comes back I'm a shout I'm a giving glory I'm a praise his name I'm a tell him thank you I know he's all right.
the joy. Joy. Do you have joy? If you got joy, why don't you grab somebody? Tell them this job. Hey, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. And it all right. Say yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know he's all right.